This week's episode of River City 93. I'm your host as always, Elliot Barr, and a guy that I just realized that is in that video promotion that you saw, that federal clip that we put together, is Mr. Matt Myers. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. River City 93 nil. What a... there you, see, look at you. Look, look at, at you. that. Look at that. I got the puns. Right. More right, where right. that came from. And as many goals to kick a score last night against those damn owls, we have three hosts tonight. He has stable internet. Is Mr. Shanir. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Happy, happy. Right. It, it feels very happy. Um, we look, I say this every week. We have a lot to talk about, but before we talk about any of that, um, I think we would be remiss if we did not wish our best to Alex Tushi, uh, the Union Omaha player that unfortunately got hurt right at the end of the first half. We wish him all the best. It was a gnarly, nasty injury. Um, I think all of us can agree. Please do not share the video or any photos of the injury online. Not worth it um, because it's literally not worth it. Um, but we wish him all the best and speedy recovery. Yeah. But we'll move from that. Talk about the game that happened. Guys, Richmond, in a game in which was pivotal, a game that in which we lost – might have been hard, might be very hard to get that top two seed. Richmond showed up and showed out. Three nothing win over Union Omaha, right? That's what I saw. <laughs> Three <laughs> nothing. Also, we had Johnny Bolaños, probably, I, I can't even say this is the best game of the season because we've seen his performances for him before. Two assists and a goal. Emiliano Chazagi is now, you feel like, He's slowly starting to pull away from the pack in that golden boot race, and we'll talk about that. But I think the biggest thing, and Matt, me and you was talking about it before the show started, this feels like Rich's best performance of the year thus far. I know we had the 4 nothing game over Chattanooga, um, Charlotte, NCFC, but this performance, this is something Derek can hang his hat on and be like, hey, guys, if you play like this, We'll be hosting a trophy very soon. Yeah, um, this this was a, a uncharacteristically, and when I say uncharacteristically, I mean for Union Omaha, this was a dominant performance. Yeah. I mean, the kickers dominated uh, Union Omaha in this game. I don't think there was any point in the game where I really feared that Union Omaha was going to do us any damage. Mm. They, I mean, th- there were moments here and there where, you know, it's like, oh, they had a chance here, a chance there. But in terms of controlling the game, I feel like the kickers were mostly in control of this game. And it was very impressive. Yeah, I would say you know, 90% of the game, you know, the kickers were very well in control. I think there was you know, probably about a five to 10 minute span really early in the first half where, Omaha was, you know, kind of, uh, you know, putting it to the defense and, uh, you know, here it came up big at one point, the really nice kick save to keep it, uh, you know, at zeros at that point. But yeah, overall, uh, really complete, you know, performance, you know, across the board from the guys. I mean, you know, uh, you know Emmy and you know, Bolaños, you know, filling the stat sheet uh, as they've been doing most of the year, but you know, the midfield was really strong. The defenders, you know, were really strong. Uh, you know, today Akira was really strong uh, and, you know, kind of taking a you know, little bit of a look ahead to when we talk about it later on. But, I mean, it, it was tough to, you know, narrow it down to, you know, you know, top three stars of the game, you know, because you can make a really good argument for, you know, 12, 13 guys, you know, that played to be, you know, get recognized. Yeah, you really could. You can make a legitimate case for, like, 12 to 13 guys out there that you're like, Hey, he did their job. Let's talk about the lineup that Derek has selected. Um, like we said, Carol, we know he's in the back. You had a back four of Stephen Payne, Jalen Krizzler, Dakota Barnathan, and Stu Ritchie. 
midfield, Zaka, Ethan, Neil, and then the front three of Vader Card Decker, Tizagi, John the Belanios. Me personally, I could not have been more happy with this lineup. I mean, we talked about it last week. You had the fluid midfield. Uh, a very, uh, when I say fluid, I mean very balanced midfield of Zaka, Ethan, and Neil. Then you had a very threatening, very fluid attack of uh, Vandercourt Decker, who should have had a goal. Should have had a goal. Um, Trezaghi and Jonathan Bolaños in a very stern back line. I, I think we all agree. Darren got it right, guys, didn't he? Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to stand corrected on um, EVD being the, the preferred right wing. Because even though he doesn't have Bolaños's pace on the opposite side, he definitely brings a physical strength to that front line that is terrifying. And I was loving it. I was loving it. Yeah, there was a couple of moments when he got in there with like the right back or something. He like help I don't know if you guys caught it, but he'll do this thing when he'll get the ball on his feet and he'll kind of like shove them. And open up like a whole lane of space. And yep. just, like, he'll just do it over and over again. He was bullying that fullback the whole time he was on the field. Yeah, he's not an especially like huge guy, but he knows how to use his body really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, the midfield guys, I I think that's the part where Richmond has won this game. If you go back and look at Union Omaha games in the past, these are two teams that Neither one of them like possession. It's almost like Richmond and Greenville. It's almost like whoever has the ball more is going to typically lose this game. But in this game particularly, it felt like whoever wins the midfield is going to win this game. Richmond won the midfield battle. Zaka had a really controlled game. Ethan Bryant again. Neil Vignoff. I think I say this more and more over the week. Um, Neil's probably one of the best players in this league with the ball at his feet, and there's two defenders on either side of him. Yep. Yeah, he's got a really good, quick first touch to be able to – I don't even know how he does it. I mean, I guess if I knew how to do that, I well, I guess I'm too old now, but I would have been out there and not in the stands all these years, uh, yeah. along with fitness and tons of other reasons why not. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's you know re, you know really silky smooth you know in those you know tight spaces. I mean, we, we talked in you know, past years about you know, he's not a burner. He doesn't need to be. He's able to you know, create himself a, a quick yard, you know, find a release if necessary. Yeah, very much so. Like, he's very he, – I don't know how to describe it, but he, he has this motion in him where he lifts his head up and is, like, where he's also trying to figure out how to pass the ball. He's also, like, moving away from danger at the same rate. I don't know. It's amazing to see him do that. Yeah, but then, you get, you know, on the flip side, you got, you know, Ethan Bryant who's – just like endless you know, ball of energy out there oh, in the God. middle. Uh, you know, the amount of time he's able to, you know, you see him drive him back into the back line to be able to collect the ball, you know, really you know, helping to move the ball, you know, side to side, whether that's through passing or just dribbling it himself. Like just, you know, pick your favorite cliche energizer bunny, you know, whatever you want to call him in there because, you know, he's doing it and he's not just a hustle guy because he's, you know, doing it with, you know, good control on the ball too. Yeah. He is, and he's doing it with so much great group that you can finally feel like so – we were talking about it in the press box of, like, he's starting – he hasn't even hit his peak yet. Like, he's, what, only 21? Mm-hmm. And you can see how good he's going yeah. to be when he hits 23, 24, 25. Like, you can see how good he's going to be. Um, But let's talk about this game. First 10 minutes of this game, things did feel shaky. Shanair – I know you got to the stadium late, but it felt a little bit shaky at first. Um, Union Omaha had some good chances. Akira, as always, he had a wonderful foot save. Um, I think Meza had the shot. Mm-hmm. And you kind of felt like at that moment, we were like, all right. It were, did it, to, back to you, did it feel like, oh, Rich was going to be here for a tough one tonight? I mean, I thought it was going to be a tough one anyway because Omaha, I mean, they're a good team. You know, uh, there's a reason they only had, you know, two losses in the league coming in to the game. So uh, I, I never th- realistically believed, you know, we were going to beat them 3-0 the way that we did. I always figured it would be a, a tight one and you might need a big save or two and you might need a little bit of luck. 
uh, you know, later on. Uh, yeah. So it, it didn't stun me, especially, you know, given how there have been some slower starts lately, uh, especially, you know, in home games, you know, too. So didn't stun me. But, after, I mean, after that, I don't really think, you know, here had a whole lot to do. I mean, there's one way late in the game. We'll t- we can talk about that later on. But after that, you know, things really you know, tightened up and, you know, uh, not too long after the tides officially turned. Yeah, it, it really felt as if after that moment, is like what could go right for Richmond did go right for Richmond, in lack of a better term. Um, 20th minute, Jonathan Belongs gets the ball wide, cuts inside. And we've seen this move with him before where he'll kind of get it onto his right foot and kind of cut in between two or three players. And you think he's going to take that shot from deep. Takes a chance. I think what it deflects off of New Hoop kind of pushes back centrally. Is it Ethan Bryant that takes a shot? That Blunders laid it off for Bryant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Laid it like off he, didn't even, he didn't even take the shot initially. And you know, in real time, I was like, why are you passing that? You know, take that you know yourself. Right. I mean, he did take it after New Hoop punched it back to him and chipped it over him. Um yeah. so it's one double well, for that point. So. Oh, what are you about to say to the rubber? Yeah, I, I was saying I think Bolaños was in the in the mindset of I'm coming at the goal at an angle. Ethan Bryant is dead center, and in terms of percentage shot, I think I, I would say that Ethan Bryant's position was even though he was a little further away from goal because of the angle, he was in a better his percent the percentage of scoring from his position was higher than the percentage of scoring from Bolaños's position, and as a winger. I can see Bolaños doing that. If it was Terzaghi, of course, Terzaghi's going for it, like, all day long, every day, and twice on Sunday. So, <laughs> but uh, I'm, it's really good that um, Bolaños, even after making that pass, he still continues his run, and that's what makes it that he's right there when Nuhu makes that save, that he just sticks his foot out and chips it right over his his body, basically, because there's no way Nuhu's reacting after making a save to that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd like to give a shout out as well, uh, to Mr. Gordon, not our man Owain, uh, but you know, you know, number twelve, the right back for Omaha, that Gordon, whatever his first name is, that dude sucked, and it was awesome Man, watching Blondes just <laughs> destroy him all game long. He was faster oh, than him, bigger than him. Yeah, he was just he, he was making a clown out of that. You know, guy. Yeah, he. Yeah, I, I I think you might be willing to say that your boy Calvo step up from that dude. Probably. Probably. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, because, because, look. Well, you, you're a rational for had a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Huh? Yeah, you, you view you view him rationally. I'm going you know, straight to Elliot with his irrational, you know, uh, dislike of the man. And he's even probably willing to say superior <laughs> to that guy. I mean, yes. Yeah, you know, well, um, I think this is a good moment for us to step back and just look at Jonathan Bolaños overall. He's really taking a step in his third year. Um, what is he on? Nine assists right now, four goals. Yep. Yeah, Woo, league leader. God. I don't I, I that you know, you're you're more of the realistic one on the show. I'm really the look at the future, but seven games left. Do you think Jonathan Blaine's got a realistic shot at the MVP? I think there's a chance. He probably still needs some more numbers because goals mean a lot. Uh, I think the team probably needs to do well down the stretch as well. Uh, but he's one assist off of the, uh, you know, league one, a single season assist record. I wouldn't look that up today. So it's, you know, 10, like, you know, Arturo Rodriguez and yeah. uh, somebody from last year. I don't remember who at this point. Uh, so uh, Ramos from Chattanooga last year, it was at 10, you know, so I mean, you got to think if he stays healthy, he'll be able to break that. Uh, I think a question is, will he stay healthy? Right, that's the that's been the only thing that's really been stopping him this year is his own body. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Uh, and then, because you think about you know, potential other MVP candidates, I mean, Emmy's going to be up there because goals, yeah, and whatnot. So, yeah, that's a realistic you know, threat. Uh, you you got to think, you know, I got Greenville. I'm not sure who it would be. You know, Omaha. I'm not. Mesa, maybe, knew who, maybe, but yeah. I mean, but, you, you, can, 
you can make a kind of case for Cassini and Ford. Uh, if you look at Greenville Baby Lacovets. Yeah. yeah. Like there's, there's not a lot of like super obvious candidates this year, I don't think. Yeah. That's true. Like, there's not Parra, a lot of super obvious. Like, I think Parra would be a good candidate, but. You got to make the playoffs. Yeah. If Noka doesn't even make the playoffs, it makes a really hard case. Yeah. Like if they sneak in the playoffs, I mean, you might be able to convince me to consider him, but you know, I think Bolaños, if he you know, keeps adding some more stats in, there's a very real chance as long as people don't look at raw stats and they consider the fact that he missed some time too. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Maybe that's something we can, you know, we can write an article on, on Jonathan Bolaños, the, what's the case for him being MVP? Um, like I said, that's the end of the first half. Nothing else happened at the end of the half that we need to talk about. We go ahead, look at the second half. <clears throat> second half to me, I, I won't say it felt like Richmond was just a cruise control, the basic basically how the game was going. It just felt like Union Omaha was just giving us the game. Like they it didn't feel like Union Omaha was really they just played poor. You would think with a team that's coming out on a levy game on beating streak, you would jilly sense like they would have a better control of the game, only down being now one goal. It just felt like they let the game get away from them. Okay. So so for me, what I was seeing for most of the game was it, it looked like Omaha had Omaha had their strategy. And it's a strategy I think can make a lot of sense when they're playing on their little tiny baseball field at home, but doesn't maybe translate to City Stadium because they were happy to pack it in the middle and give the kickers the wings you yeah. know, consistently throughout the game. And, again, a small field, I think that makes all the sense in the world. Our bigger field, depending on who you're playing, that can make sense. But against Richmond this year, I don't, I don't see how that's a good idea because, I mean, think about where do all of our attacks come from? Oh, yeah. All wing. Every <laughs> goal in this game came from the wing. Well, I mean, the yeah. second one came from the corner, but still, the wing. Yeah, pretty much all of them all year come from, you know, out wide and, you know, bringing it in, you know, in the middle once you're, you know, down really close, you know, to the end line. So I felt like their strategy just played right into our hands and, you know, Darren knew, knew that they would want to have, you know, quick counter, you know, attacking hits. So he was happy to, you know, give them the ball and rotate it through the back. And, you know, Jalen and, you know, Dakota did a good job with, uh, you know, Herzog up front. He, he really didn't do anything all game, you know, for the most part. Uh, and all that tampering, not to do anything. Yeah, so it really just seemed like, right. you know, Darren was <laughs> say, "Hey, here's the ball, break us down. If you can do it, good for you." And they weren't able to do it. Yeah, no, it, it, they weren't really able to do anything with it. Now, I mean, now the second goal, I gotta, I, I want to know who designed that set piece because that. That had to work, and that's that was, once. That, yeah, that this was, wasn't a lifetime that, set piece design. That was a training ground set piece. That definitely was. I mean, this is the thing about it. When you go back and look at the set piece, and you you can see Bologna's answers are run. Two of the most dangerous guys in the team. They run to the right hand side because they're lazy awful. But you can tell how much of a threat Bologna's is based on this based on this play alone. Bolaños literally, there's three New Omaha players that are kind of tracking Terzaghi and Bolaños, and all three turn their attention to Bolaños and just forget about Terzaghi trailing behind them. And all thing Bolaños do is he just lays it back, and there's Terzaghi just chipping it over Newton. Like, I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, I hate to say it. I love to say it. Bolaños is like the lightning rod right now, man. Yeah. The, the, the thing with uh, Bolaños is when he is not present, you can no- you notice it. You can tell. It, it's yeah. very apparent in the way the kickers play. He is very key and essential to the, to the way the kickers play. And his movements on the field, on and off the ball, are dangerous. Absolutely dangerous. And I think that that is, even starting off in the first half, even after that that spell that uh, Union Omaha had, 
you're looking at it and you're, you're, you're seeing how much he's moving around and you can see the fear starting to build in the, um, the Union Omaha player, especially since uh, uh, my dude was getting just completely cooked. Gordon was getting completely just cooked the, on that side and it, it just created a sense of fear in that whole back line. So by the time you get to this free kick, everyone's like, where's Bolaños? We need to know where he's at. That's where he is. He's running. Everyone block him. Because the run that he made is a, makes is a very good run. And I think in their minds, their school of thought is just smother him, close him down and smother him. But uh, you're forgetting about two years in a row, Golden Boot and MVP just sitting right at the top of the six. And yeah. shout out, shout out to them not marking a you know, you know good old number thirty two you know three yards from goal. Yeah, you know, it's not like he doesn't score all his goals from right there. Right, right. exactly. If I That's do, I'm pissed as hell. I'm like, bro, how do y'all like? Because like literally, Belarus is running more or less out of bounds. Out of bounds. That's the way his body yeah. is taking. It. And Trezaghi just peels off, and I'm pretty sure it's designed to be that way. But if there's three Omaha players, no one decides like y'all. I'm gonna stay back and look at this guy. Like, I I couldn't explain it. <laughs> I I sat there yeah, and watched yeah. that play like three times, and thinking like, all right, maybe I'm not seeing something right. And every time I and went back and rewatched, it's like, nope, that's what happened. But well, I mean, let, let's give thing. let's give credit to Emmy there though, because. He does that to teams repeatedly, you know, you know, able to you know, just make that slight little peel off and find that bit of space. That's all he needs to be able to, you know, flick it in, poke it in, head it in, whatever the case may be in that moment. So it's definitely yeah. a skill. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, look, like I might been saying, one you know, thing, he's I... probably the best record with, in terms of like managing space. He's probably the best in USL. Both leagues. Yeah, I, I, I think um, one one thing that we need to take into consideration is. There are certain players at every level of the game that instill fear in backline, um, and uh, it's it's when you think about players like Mohamed Salah, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, it is sometimes really easy and really fun to play alongside players like this because you know you're going to get all the space in the world because they're going to draw everyone away. And I think Bolaños is developing that reputation in USL League One that the whole back line is like, get him. And so Terzaghi's like, thank you for the space. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Honestly. And then after that, you know, Richmond still were creating and developing chairs. Like I said, e- e- EVD should have had a goal. Yeah. If it wasn't for you, who's EVD should have had a goal, man. And you could tell, like, he put everything into that shot to try to score yeah. in it. How, how many guys did he kind of, you know, cut through on on the way over there? Because he just went diagonal oh like, straight you know, through the field. And, again, it's not oh. you know, raw speed or anything. It was, you know, combination of you know, power and, you know, smooth dribbling and all that. And I, I wish he had gotten the finish, you know, A for the goal, but B, uh, I thought that was the rules. If you could play your old team – you score a goal, right? You, you would yeah. think. I, mean, I feel like there's some you know, guys need to look into in the rule book there because I don't like this one way street with it. No, I, and I do yeah. wonder. I wonder if he scores there. What's that celebration like? I wonder. He was there for like a minute. Oh no, he's in Omaha for longer. That's right. We were yeah. playing no care this time. We we're playing the team before. Yeah. Whatever. You know I'm what? wondering what that celebration is like. You know what? Guy scores, they're allowed to celebrate. Like I don't, I don't care about this whole like don't celebrate against your old team. Oh yeah, no, 100 percent want to celebrate. Yeah, 100. Look, I'm glad no, I don't see him as having the same kind of uh, flavor in his celebrations as uh, you know, Johnny did after his goal there. But okay, Johnny need to work on that. I, it was that good. Oh. It was that good. That to, a good celebration. To, to, to my uh, uncultured eyes, I was like, okay, maybe maybe that's the hot new dance. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I don't keep up with the dances. <laughs> the dance um, crazy. Well, yeah. Talking about the line is going back to hell, man. Third goal. 
I, I gotta, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's all 100% down to effort. 100% down to effort. Because Belongos gets played in the space by O'Gordon. And when he cuts back, I can't remember the defender that kind of cut Belongos. I, I yeah, thought originally it was going to be a PK. If That's he had stayed on the ground, he probably would have. Because I think the ref had his whistle about to go to his mouth, but he sees Bolaños bounces right back up and still has possession. He's like, I'm gonna just play advantage. I'm not sure. Um, I thought they got the ball just clean off Bolaños. No, he he didn't get the ball because Bolaños cut the ball back and the ball didn't really move. That player came sliding through and just took Bolaños' legs out from under him, and literally Bolaños was like, you know those. Those uh, inflatable dummies that you use to punch and you knock it down and it bounces right back up. That was Bologna. Yeah. He went right back up on his feet and he was moving again. Yeah. Got knocked no, out, right back up. Beat uh, a sliding dude who was trying to save the ball. They played it into the easy, cool feet of Emilio Arcezago, who now has 14 goals in the league one season, guys. So I want to ask you guys this question. What I, We talked about it last week. Because um, now I think he has, what, 43 Two. total? 42? 42 in the 42 league. 42 total. Do you still think he could get 50? And do you think he gets a third goal to boot? I mean, the second part's looking very likely at this point. He's three clear of everybody else. I, look, I I think I had to have his – I think I went, like, what, 47, 49? I think you were like 47-ish, and I think you and Shanir were a little higher than I was, and I was yeah. thinking he'd get to you know, like 44 or so this year. So I don't know, man. It's, if you if you ask me right now, I'm going with 50. You think he scored eight goals in the next seven okay. games? I, I think so, man. I think so. Again, like last week, I want you to be right. <laughs> I think so. I think, I think the 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 main thing is, I mean, when you look at the teams that we have to play against, especially looking at some of the home games, there is he he he's got opportunities to score. I think, to be honest with you, in my opinion, the only team that I feel that is equipped to deal with Terzaghi is Forward Madison. The other teams, he, he may not have always consistently scored against them, but he is a lethal weapon against South Georgia. Uh, obviously, we saw against Union Omaha, against uh, Central Valley, against uh, Chattanooga, uh, and against Greenville. So there is a, there is definitely a possibility that he could end up getting to that fifty. He could. It's it'll it'll be a, a, a tough it'll be a tough road for him to get there, but especially when you look at the way the kickers have been playing. I mean, ever since, I mean, look when you see how they how they completely tore Union Omaha apart yesterday. If they play any game like that again, there is a possibility that he could get another two in another game, maybe a hat trick in another game. I know it's it's very unlikely, but I could see him getting a hat trick in one of the remaining fixtures. I mean, this is the thing about it. When you look at Emmy scoring, he is the record goal scorer in USL League One, and he has not registered a hat trick yet. Like that's yeah. insane in itself. Because if you look at it like most guys, like a lot of the other goal scorers in his league have a hat trick underneath their name. You know, like Lagavette, he jumped up that week. To the top of the goal that we raised because of a hat trick. Trezaghi doesn't have a hat trick to his name yet. He's came close. He's had a lot of braces, but not a hat trick yet, man. And it just goes to show you, like, how consistent he is as a goal scorer, you know? Like, if, if there's any, I think when it's all said and done, and when Trezaghi steps away from the game, and when Darren steps away from the game, man, we're going to look back at this period of Darren and Terzaghi. And like, yo, this this is like some failed Michael Jordan type stuff. Like, this is how crazy it is. Yeah, wh- whoever tipped Darren off to Emmy, uh, Dar- Darren needs to send him a little, you know, supplemental paycheck. Oh right. yeah, <laughs> he needs to send he needs to send him a big Christmas gift every year. <laughs> every year, but every rest year. of his life, every year. 
Right. Every year. Every year. And also, on top of this, we also have the cutest pitch invader ever. Uh, his daughter running to the field. I think, what, after the second goal? Yeah. Yeah. That was real cool. That was cute. Too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, game, rest of the game is up. Like we said, Richmond wins this game 3 nothing. Now looking ahead, we got, what, a week and a half off to our next game against Tormenta, right, at home yeah. on September the 7th. Yeah. Seven games left. As the team, as you guys, the kickers players, they, in their head, they're talking eight, so they know they're already talking about the bye. But if we look at it, seven games left to finish out the season, three of those are at home, four of those are on the road. How do we think this team finishing out these last seven games here? Because you already got up the first hurdle. You get Omaha. How do you now progress to the next? Because I think now what they're playing, every team they're playing is in the playoff race, right? Absolutely. Outside mm-hmm. right. the but they're seventh. Before, before you go. I mean, to, to, you're like four men, they're tied yeah. on points with Charlotte. So they are still in the race. Absolutely. Yeah. And so are Fuego. Fuego's right there as well at 27. They're ninth. So. Yeah. How how yeah. do they how does things play out? What I saw that. So I think the if you look at uh, a couple of weeks from now, Wednesday game at Omaha, followed by a Saturday at Chattanooga, is going to tell us a lot. Yeah, you know, because those are two tough places to play for very different reasons. You know, two you know, close competitors. Uh, you know, for the spot that the kickers want. Uh, I think if you, know, you can kind of get you know something out of those games, I think it's looking you know, pretty good. But, yeah, I still think the magic number we really want to try to shoot for is 50 points. They're at 38 right now. So mm-hmm. you need to find you know, 12 you know, somewhere in there. And I think if you do that, feel very good about okay. getting a buy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Shanae? What you got, man? Um, To be honest with you, I, I, I'm – I'm looking at this, and when I look at the table, I think to, for me, the easier game would be something like a Chattanooga and a Greenville, because they are the two that are out of this group the safest. They are the they are the two that are it's it's pretty if unless they have some catastrophic based on their form, unless they have something catastrophic go down, Chattanooga and Greenville are the two that are, they almost have a foot in to the playoffs. So, I mean, I feel like those are the, those, those two games are the easiest. I think the toughest one for me would, the toughest ones for me are forward and South Georgia because they're the ones that are, they could drop out. So they are going to be playing their, their tails off to make sure that they don't drop out of that race. I mean, I South saw, Georgia is already out of that race, but they they still have a chance of getting in. Central Valley Fuego, it's a bit of a longer shot, but they again, they still could fight for it. But for me, South South Georgia and um, and forward. I mean, I get I get what you're saying. I, I just can't sign off on at Chattanooga being the easy game on the schedule given the history there. Yeah. Uh... That's the, we still have that one there. Still haven't won there. Yeah, that's the, that's still a curse for us. That's still, that's still one there. one hurdle we need to we need to break. Um, is it? If there's any team outside of Union Omaha that's been tending trending upwards, it's Chattanooga, given everything that's been going on there, which is surprising in itself. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, it's the most cliche thing ever, but you know, taking it one game at a time. You know. Yeah. Take care of business, you know, at home against you know, Tormenta this time around, and you do that, things are going to start to really fall in place you know, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you got to take into consideration that you know, that by the time we reach to some of these fixtures, this table will have changed. Oh yeah. So, like, like for example, and this is the benefit of our next two games being on a Wednesday. Like, we literally have yeah. two Saturdays in a row to sit back and be like, "How is the table looking?" You know? Yeah. I was the table looking at it and asking. We'll talk about you know games that you can, uh, listeners can keep an eye on, given what's going to happen. Um, super salty about Wednesday games, by the way. Not a fan. Yeah, 
Yeah. Exactly. I'm not feeling that. I don't know. Two yeah, in a row, Lee, too. I may be one here and there, but two in a row. Uh... League one schedule making boys. League one schedule waivers. Yeah. Um, look, let's look at it this way. The, the next three <coughs> games, very key and important. At home against Tormenta, at home against Union Omaha, nope. at home against Chattanooga. I mean, on the road against Union Omaha, on the road against Chattanooga. My bad. Yeah, they're all hungry. They feel really good, but you're right, you're right, right. Oh, yeah, right. they were all hungry. I'm like, we, 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 we cruising, <laughs> we're cruising, we're cruising. But um, out of out of the remaining seven games, only three of them are at home. Um, yeah, they're all tough. All three of those games are tough for their own individual reasons. T- Tormenta is probably the best road team right now. They have the most uh, road wins at six. Union Omaha, Matt, like you were alluding to, that pitch is very tight. Oh God. Yeah, you know what happened. Um, I'm over here confusing stuff. He's trying to move the Omaha game back to City Stadium, which, uh, again, support and pride. Let's do this all over again. Let's do it all over again. (laughs) And Chattanooga, like we were saying, we haven't won there yet. I got, yeah, me personally, if we can walk out of those three games with six points, you gotta think that's a positive, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, in big picture, yes. Uh, although I would say I'd, I almost would be happier with five in a weird way because I'd be worried that the if we got six, that the loss was to Omaha and we'd be giving that game and hit right back to them. Understandable. Understandable. To, to be honest with you, with their, with their tiny little baseball field, um, I, I'm normally not a fan of playing for a draw, but I feel like that would be the game to do that to just to, to drive try and hunker down and 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 keep it at nil nil because it, the way I, how expansively the kickers played yesterday, they would not get away with that type of play on that small field, and that that would be playing right into Union Omaha, Omaha's hands, and they would gobble up every chance that we tried to create and. I just feel that that's one of those games where we like let's go there and try and get a boring draw, and and then let's get out of let's run out of there, we'll steal a point and get out of there. Um, I mean, Darren's done it before. The first ever yeah. um, matchup, he he did it and got out of there with a Vaughn header. He's done Absolutely. it before. I was I was there. It's a good time. <laughs> oh yeah, he's done it before. So it's you know it's it's the precedent there. Um, you gotta imagine though, like getting. Any positive, getting positive points out of those three games, man, it sets you up very wrong, very, very well for the next four games, which leads a little bit more favorably to the kickers. Two games at home, two in the road, more favorable at that point. Yeah, yeah, and then um, I mean, so much of it's going to matter. Like you know, Shanir was making reference to, so much is going to matter based off of games that happen in the meantime because there, there's yeah. some big ones that'll have direct implications. You know, as yeah. soon as this Wednesday. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and let's talk about those. I mean, these are games that listeners, if you have ESPN Plus, um, check it out. <laughs> you probably already yeah. are. But uh, Charlotte, South Georgia Tormenta, if you want to see how Tormenta plays, that's, that's an important game to kind of keep an eye on. But also, the 8 o'clock game, Union Omaha versus Fort Madison. Me personally, I, I think I, I think a draw is the best result. Yeah. 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 I think a draw yeah. is the best result. Like take points off each let other, them beat the crap out of each other, and we get a draw out of that, and and maybe a few yellow card suspensions in the in the process. Yeah, because one, <laughs> one thing you want to keep in mind is that yes, we are four. Uh, I think it's four points right now ahead of Omaha. Yeah, four points ahead of Omaha. They still have two games in hand. So if they went out on those two, you know, games, they're back ahead of us on the, in the table. You know, so that just means they need to not win one of those two games in hand, and. We're good because we'll have goal difference. Uh, but even before goal difference, uh, I talked about this last time. They're screwed on the tiebreakers with everybody except for Madison because those two teams draw seemingly every single game. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's not in their favor at all. So, I mean, we we got them beat in the important ones. Um, the Central Valley Fuego Tucson game. Whatever. You, you can root for Tucson. It's probably Tucson's probably going to win. 
Tucson seems to only win on the road, so probably happen there. Um, if you look at Saturday the third, Greenville Ford Madison is is a kind of match we kind of keep your eye on. That's probably another, probably another just suck it up and root for the draw game. Yeah, root for the draw. I think another one that we're probably rooting for a draw for is New York versus Chattanooga. I'm also going to hope for a couple of red cards. Yeah, yeah, which way? Yeah. Um, I want complete chaos that game. So, uh, and the, the two other games you don't really have to root for at all. But I think those are. I think there were what, three matchups that we really said you really need to keep an eye on. Two of those include you know Omaha and forward, you know, and forward. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be uh, interesting to see how how all that plays out, guys. It's going to. I mean, more or less, we're we're living in a scenario where either a Richmond can still be what, either at. Worst the three seed without playing or the one seed without playing? One, two, or three. Yeah. There's a scenario where we could be either one of those without even touching the ball for the next week and a half. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to, to be honest with you, with Union, if, if they get two draws, that's what would make me happy. A draw with forward, a draw with Chattanooga. And, and yeah, that would, would have them coming out of the there with two points. But again, that's only one point for forward, one point for Chattanooga. And to play for a draw, even though they're at home for those two games against clubs like forward and Chattanooga, is going to take a lot out of them. Yeah. Um, by the time they play Tucson, I, 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 they, they'll, they'll have a, a full week and a day uh, before that game after, after this kind of marathon and and I mean to, to to be honest with you, I'm a little worried because it's it's set off at a negative against us with not only getting hammered three 0 so the morale is low. On top of that, losing a key center back in Alex Touche, it it's it it looks like they're going to be floundering in these next two games with not a lot of time yeah. in between well, each. Game. Also, they have just recently lost another defender you know, for the year two, you know, not too long ago, a week or two. So I, I think it's easy for a team to observe one of those kind of injuries. Yeah. You know, I don't know how strong their depth is to be able to observe two. Two, yeah. exactly. And it seems like all the moves that they've made have been on the offensive side of the ball. They're probably thinking, like, all right, the defense is stable and fine because we're not giving up a lot of goals and we got new. Let's put somebody into the attack, and unfortunately, it hasn't really paid off for them. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, guys, we we won't be talking again for a while. Next week, we're off, so we probably won't have a podcast. We have an article coming out. Um, fingers crossed we can get this Zaka article uploaded and ready for y'all. Um, but the next time we talk, guys, we'll know how we look before we play Tormenta at home. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be a nice, relaxing Labor Day weekend you know, for everybody. You know, uh, and we'll enjoy it, and we'll see what uh, September brings. But you know, I think overall, got to say, I, I, I would say overall, got to call August a general success. You know, uh, you know, ten points for five games. Take that any time. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. it was a big month. Um, given how July was kind of shaping up at first, I, I got to say August was a big, big month uh, for Darren and, and the squad. So, yeah, possibly had to end the month, guys. Um, Matt, I know we got to get our three players, so let's quickly go over that. Yeah, let's do it. You boys, All right. Yeah. So, boys, right, you want me to start? Uh, I'll start. I, I, you know, I've got it already ready. Um, I might – it's very easy for me. Three points, Jonathan Bolaños. Two points, Emiliano Trezaghi. My one point, I'll give it to Akira Fitzgerald, which is weird to say, given he had a clean sheet. I don't think he gets credit for the clean sheet because uh, you know subbed in uh, you know Palmquist at, at the oh. end. I think he gets screwed out of the stat. Does he? Oh. oh. But I, I gotta say, I, I like how Darren's been you know doing this because what's the you know the bigger you know f you to the opposing team of hey I want to use one of my subs at the end of the game on a goalkeeper because this, this is the second time he's done it. 
Second time he'd have done it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. That, that's the ultimate spiking the football move. Right. <laughs> ultimate victory formation. It would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, real quick. I, I know. I know we're going to have three points, but it would have been cool to see Kazi come on, give it. It was the uh, anniversary of the U.S. Open Cup, but unfortunately he was injured. But that would have been yeah. cool. Yeah, to, just to give for those who, who don't know, so um, one of our, our backup goalkeepers, Kazi, is actually the son of the goalkeeper who was on the kickers team that when we won the U.S. Open Cup in 94? 95. 95, sorry. Uh, yeah, in 95. So that, that would have been cool, but he's out injured, so fortunately. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. So you? <sighs> I, I want to go exactly the same, but it, it's it's strange because you and me were talking and 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 at one point I was using the in the moment uh, recency bias eye test with uh, Sue Ritchie, but when he wasn't penned in for that portion of the second half, that first portion of the second half, I told you. apart from <laughs> apart from that moment, he was a nuisance, and th- the thing that that made it crazy is that basically you know Dion Acoff and Gordon were having to deal with Bolaños and Richie on that same side and Richie was was making a nuisance of himself he was he was creating some stuff so I'm gonna give him the one point I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give Stu Richie the one point all right all right I like it all right. and uh, yeah um, I, I just, I had the same as Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. speaks for himself. Strzok speaks for himself. And, yeah, Kira didn't necessarily have as much, you know, to do throughout the game, but uh, that was a real big tone setter for that, you know, save early on, like the 11th minute or so. Uh, and then he had that. He had know, another one but, later on yeah, that was. Yeah, he had another one later on that uh, I, I don't know if, you know, he cited it throughout or if it just happened to hit him. Who cares? You know, didn't go in the goal, so I'm good, you know, with it. Uh but yeah, that I think that was a really pivotal moment uh, you know, in the game, and you know we talk a lot about how you know here racks up a lot of you know, kind of empty stats almost with some of these saves because you know the way you know Darren sets up the team is designed to give the opposition you know a lot of low quality you know shots and you know, kind of bait them into taking low quality shots. Uh, so Akira gets to rack up you know some save totals sometimes. That was one where you know. He earned his role. He earned his money on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he earns a point. Um, so there, real quick, before we wrap up, to see your point, uh, we interviewed Jonathan Bolaños, by the way. We do our press game interview. So if you're interested in seeing what the players and teams say after the game, go to our, our Instagram page and check those out. Um, but Jonathan credited Stu with opening up a lot of space for him on that wing of just how pace he is of getting up and down. And he really loves that relationship. But yeah, that was really dope. Um, but with that being said, guys, I think we've done a wonderful job of covering up this game as we do every game. Um, and if you're watching us live on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. We really like it if you did that. But with that being said, guys, anything else before we uh, close out the show? A great crowd out there, uh, 4,800 oh, and so. Right. Uh, so, you know. City State, I mean, City State is always a good time, but, you know, with even more people in the crowd, it becomes better and better time, yeah. I think. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful, uh, maybe not for the Wednesday game coming up, but uh, for one of those last two, you know, weekend home games, you know, maybe able to, you know, top the 5K marker. I got, I will say this. I think it would happen if that Richmond and Greenville game is for the top of the table. I can see it happening. There. I can see yeah. it happening there. But, that, oh. Yeah, but overall, it's been really positive, you know, attendance momentum, you know, throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, and that's only a good thing to see for the you know, club moving forward. Yeah. We did have a question to make that from Kate. She wanted us to, uh, I know we're supposed to close that show, I forgot. Um, she had a question for us, like what things have Richard been doing to increase the, the attendance at the stadium? And I think it just simply comes down to the product on the field is better. The merchandise has been better. And the community engagement has been hella better. <laughs> I think those are the three yeah. key factors. Yeah, I think you're missing one other key thing. Uh, yeah, COVID is in the minds of most people over. 
yeah you know, you know for a couple of years you know, people are really hesitant to go out you know, you know to events uh and now you know right you know right or wrong we can have that you know the political side of the discussion elsewhere uh but people are a lot more you know outwardly you know sociable again yeah. and uh i think that you know leads you know, to it and you know, people come out they have a, you know, a good time you know mixing uh whether it's you know tailgating whether it's you know for the happy hour in the stadium whatever the case may be and you know it builds upon it because you know you still see a lot of the families but you, i feel like i see a lot more of the young adult crowd you know out of games now than in the past yeah yeah most definitely well it's definitely been an object but i i do think that the biggest the biggest factor has been the product on the field because even even though we've been kind of uh, having our 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 issues with the away game um with with the away performance which has gotten better um the kickers are exciting to watch i mean they i mean we're playing Goals, goals are fun. Are, it's not just goals because it, it's not just goals. Because look at how many chances were created in the last ten minutes of the game. Oh, oh Gordon got almost got a couple. Uh, Bolaños almost got another one. Terzaghi almost got a third. I mean, it, it, they were playing electric, exciting soccer, and I think this is the point that Darren was trying to reach. And and I always go back to the press conference he had when he first um, came on as head coach. He has been looking to create a team that is going to excite, is going to entertain, and is going to score goals. And rather than scoring one and maybe a second one and closing up shop, when when uh, Union Omaha started really trying to push forward towards the end of the game, Darren said, okay, cool, we'll catch you on the counterattack then. And that's literally what it was. And we could have scored probably like, it probably could have been a nine nil <laughs> because I mean, their back line was wide open and we were going for it. It's just, that is so much more exciting to watch. It's bringing more people into the stadium because word of mouth and uh, it's, it's wonderful. If it, if it continues that way, they're going to have to do something about the other, the other side of the stadium. Well, let's hope so. It's all positive over here. Well, guys, we will see y'all next week. But as always, you can keep up with the show at rivercity93.com. Check out the website. It's wonderful. We got all the articles up. Um, we're going to have articles up for Zaka. I guess now I'm giving myself this assignment of working on Bolaño's MVP push. Matt's working on the top 30 list. I got a little spoiler. I got what you need. Yeah. yeah pretty much. Pretty much. Um, and always, guys, we want to say thank you. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. Share it with a friend. Um, with that being said, guys, we'll holler at you next week. Peace. Oh,